0: We're uh, starting on a new series called Overwhelmed, and we'll be working on this through December and into January a bit. And uh, not about, no, about you, but it just seems the more I talk to people, the more it just seems there are a lot of people who are overwhelmed uh, with a lot of things in life. Uh, overwhelmed with busyness, which we're going to talk on today. You know, just I'm so busy and everything's crazy, and I just don't seem to have any time or I'm overwhelmed with the difficulties in my marriage or with relationships or overwhelmed financially or at work. I mean, a lot of reasons we can be overwhelmed. Maybe a health issue, maybe a combination of a lot of things. And so we're gonna take some time talking about being overwhelmed and we're gonna focus in on the subject of busyness today. Uh, There was a seminar that took place not long ago and uh, the leader threw out the question to everybody how does God find you today? And uh, the people there were supposed to write down some of the, the ways that God found them. And here are some of the things that the people in the audience said. I feel I'm out of control sometimes with so many pressures. I feel like I'm torn in all directions. I want God to show me how to manage my different hats of teacher, mother, wife, and daughter successfully. I feel a need to slow myself down and renew myself, but. Life gets real hectic. I often get busy and find my day gone without having done the things I most wanted to do. I want to slow down. I feel as if I'm on a speeding treadmill. My busyness has robbed me of joy. And maybe some of you today can relate to to some of that. Maybe you have your own thing you would write down. Uh, But busyness, it just seems to be a plague that has landed on our culture and and then this, this idea of it, I just, I just feel overwhelmed. And if you're not sure if you're overwhelmed, uh, like a good ma- magazine article, I'll give you some symptoms. <laughs> 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 What's it like to be overwhelmed? Uh, well, you tend not to have time for friendships uh, or relationships in gen- general because you're busy. You'll find that a lot of your relationships, maybe your marriage is struggling, maybe your spouse isn't happy with you because they see that you're overwhelmed and it's affecting your marriage. Uh, you may see like you're tired all the time. You're not enjoying time with God, or it's always rushed, it's, it's quick, and you gotta get it done with to get on on with your day, and it's become more of a religious moment than a relational moment. You find yourself filled with apathy and drudgery. There's a lot of anxiety and worry in your life. Uh, you get overpowered by situations, and you are the negative voice at the table. When a new idea comes, you just respond with negativity because you can't handle anymore. Uh, it's a great idea, but I can't handle it. So you're just negative and you kind of put it down and you just kind of become the negative voice. Uh, you always find yourself rushing. Uh, you are less loving and more demanding. Uh, you're constantly multitasking. You're doing, trying to do all these things at one time, and, and you may find that there's just a lack of gratitude. You're not very thankful, and there's a lack of joy. When, when the Bible says there's God's will for you to be thankful, in, in every circumstance, you just have lost your joy. You've lost your gratitude. And, and, and especially on Christmas, this whole idea of being overwhelmed can actually be heightened. Because Christmas tends to add a little more busyness. It tends to add stress to our time. It, it can add stress to our finances because all of a sudden we've got gifts to buy. It, it can add stress because sometimes we have people come visit us that we don't get along with really well. Uh, we're heightened in moments of loss. It's when we remember those people who we used to have in our lives maybe our parents or a husband or a a child or a friend who was not there anymore. And so this idea of being overwhelmed over Christmas can can be heightened. And so uh, we want to talk through a little bit. But the idea is here that God doesn't want you to be living like this. God is inviting you to a different way of life. I mean, we have some ways in our culture just accepted this idea. Well, to be in this culture means you're going to be overwhelmed all the time. You're going to be filled with anxiety. Things are going to be crazy and nutty and there's going to be crazy all the time. But that's not the life God has for you. Now, there are going to be seasons of busyness no matter what. Jesus had busy times of extreme busyness. But to feel overwhelmed in life as a general way of life is not God's desire for your life. Jesus says, and he calls us, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And this is, of course, the work of the Holy Spirit. But, but for a lot of people, they, they seem like the rivers dry. There's just not a lot there. That They're doing uh, far outweighs their being. Their, their speed is faster than their, their soul has even energy for, and, and they just can't feel dry. In John 15, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is not some sort of joyless, gratitude-less life. This is supposed to be a life that Jesus calls into that has this complete joy. And he didn't say that in some sort of la-la Disneyland world. He said that in a world where there was persecution coming on on these believers, in a world of sorrow and and struggle. John 10 Uh, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And, of course, that full life is in the new heavens and new earth, but that also starts here. Eternal life starts here. Abundant life starts here. Uh, Not a life of being overwhelmed. That's uh, the enemy's doing, stealing and killing and destroying and causing stress and anxiety. But he is inviting into abundant life or this idea of rest in Matthew 11. Come to me. All you who are weary, or all you who are overwhelmed and burdened, and I will give you rest. There is something about a relationship with Jesus, in a growing relationship with Jesus, that should move us from a place of being overwhelmed in a place that we learn to actually live this life, even in the hecticness of all these things going on, where there is joy and there is rest and there's rivers of water flowing from within us. Now, busyness sometimes can be called by the busyness piece. Uh, Seeking after positions or prestige that God has not given you. Striving for uh, positions that God doesn't have for you, but you want it anyways, can make you very tired. Uh, It can be power, seeking control. It takes a lot of work to control the people around you, and God doesn't want you to be doing that. It can make you very tired and overwhelmed as you try to control every situation and every little thing around you. It can make you very tired. God wants you to surrender and trust. Uh, It can be business from possessions. Wanting more, bigger, better. uh, That can make you very tired. People pleasing. Never willing to say no. Never actually stopping and saying, God, is this something you want me to be doing or not? You just just say yes to everything. That, That can be very tiring. Perfectionism. Because you're afraid of having people see you make a mistake, you're afraid of people seeing you who for you really are, and so you just you just cover everything up you do with this perfectionist thing. That can be really, really tiring. Uh, these are things that make you tired, but we're not gonna talk about these today. <clears throat> uh, I want to talk about two things that can make you busy. But those may be some of the things. I want to talk first about about this idea of getting life from our busyness in doing. One of the reasons we can be overwhelmed with busyness is because in our culture, especially Western culture, even more so North American culture, we tend to get a lot of life or our worth from our busyness in doing. And our kind of uh, subtle saying is kind of this, in, 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 our, in our inner being, in our hearts, we often say this, I'm busy, therefore I'm important and valuable, therefore I'm worthy. If I'm not busy, I'm not valuable, I don't matter. I mean, this is true for a lot of us. I have some of this in me. That when I'm busy, I feel more valuable, I feel more worthy, I feel more like a, a true human being. And uh, but when I when I stop to rest or take a little break, it's just like it's almost like you lose your value, you lose lose who you are. And this is the idea that I, that I'm trying to get life from my busyness and doing. Now, as a follower of Jesus, we are getting our life solely from Him, allowing Him to be the one who fills us. We get our identity and worth and value from Him, but a lot of times we look to look to our busyness and our doing and our activity to get life from, and and this is what is reflected in North American culture. That researchers from Columbia University, Harvard, and Georgetown found through a series of experiments that the busier a person appeared, the more important they were deemed. And so in. North American culture, you come across someone who is very busy, we tend to look at them as, oh, they must be very important and and they must be quite an impressive person. You go to other places in the world, like Europe and other places, a very busy person is not deemed as high as a person who has more leisure time. But here, we tend to have work as an idol. The busy people, those are the people who have value, the busy people who have never time for vacations, and this is why we do a lot of busy bragging. Now, sometimes when someone says, how are you doing? And we say, you know, I'm really busy. That's, that's a true revealing of your heart and, your, and your, your emotions. But a lot of times we actually busy brag and it has to do with getting life from our busyness and doing. Hmm. I, I'm really busy, so I, I must be really valuable. <laughs> you know, I don't have any time for a break or vacation, so I must be really impressive, don't you think? Very. We busy brag because we suddenly get life from our business. We get life from thinking, others thinking that we're busy because then we, then we see that, well, I must be valuable. It's, it's kind of the way our culture works. In fact, employees uh, use 51% of their eligible paid vacation time and paid time off, and 61% do work while on vacation. 34 million vacation days are unused every year by Canadians. Oh I mean, there's actually something that's actually legit. You can look it up. It's called leisure sickness. That people, when they take a vacation, they actually get sick. That they actually don't know what to do. They can't handle it because, because again, they, they lose who they are. Because their identity is wrapped up in their doing and their being and their busyness. And therefore, they take a break and they just kind of try to rest for a week or something. They can't do it. So they take their work on vacation. They, they try to do something because I'm valuable because I do rather than the gospel, which is you are valuable because you are. People dread idleness. (laughs) It's another, uh, Christopher Eve from the University of Chicago. People dread idleness, and their professed reasons for activity may be mere justifications for keeping busy. In other words, we keep busy because we hate being idle. Because when you're idle, you tend to lose who you are, or you don't think you're important, or you're not valuable, so we we quickly just make busy work, so we seem busy, so I I feel like I'm a worthy person in society, or a worthy person in my own mind. In fact, they've done some crazy experiments around this. Uh, They did this shock experiment, uh, where they took college students, and they put them in a room for 15 minutes. And there's nothing in that room, it was empty except for a button. They could press, they could shock themselves. But there was just nothing to do. And they thought these students were going to love it. I mean, busy students, always working, always studying, you know, cell phones ringing and ding and notifications, just crazy busy, that they were going to give these people 15 minutes in a room where they could just do nothing, where they could just sit there and think. And the researchers thought that they were going to enjoy this and that people have enough thoughts, they have enough things that they should process. We have a lot of amazing memories that we could think about, that they would just love it, but they found that they couldn't handle it. Wow. Uh, even though all participants had previously stated that they would pay money to avoid being shocked with electricity, 67% of men and 25% of women chose to inflict it on themselves rather than just sit there quietly and think. I mean, we laugh. You try to sit there for even two minutes. Well, maybe you can, but I I tried this week and it's hard just to sit there and not actually touch anything or do anything, just to to, to sit there. Uh, One of the uh, professors says, I found it quite surprising and a bit disheartening that people seem to be so uncomfortable when left to their own devices that they can be so bored that even being shocked seemed more entertaining. And this is our culture. Uh, then again, we, we, we can't sit still, we always gotta be busy, and part of that has to do because we get our identity from it, but also just because we're used to going at at warp, at warp speed. Busyness can also be what we use to numb ourselves from our pain. Uh, we, we can numb ourselves from from marital issues, from things we gotta deal with in our own lives, or issues around us. Sometimes we can numb ourselves with alcohol or drugs, or you know, just whatever it might be, but they're also finding that we can also numb ourselves through busyness. Renee Brown, who a lot of you would know, great author, speaker, said, one of the most universal numbing strategies is what I call crazy busy. I often say that when they start having 12 step meetings for busyaholics, they'll need to rent out football stadiums. We're a culture of people who bought into the idea that if we stay busy enough, the truth of our own lives won't catch up with us. And this is one of the reasons they're finding why we stay really busy, because when you stay busy, you actually don't have to think about things. When you stay busy, you don't actually have to process what's going on in your relationship. In fact, I made a list. When you slow down, all of a sudden, you start to see and you start to think through things. Your lack of relationship with God, your struggling marriage, the hurting people around you, the bitterness inside, that undealt with issue, the shame of missing out on your child's life, the fear that I'm ordinary, the feeling of being unworthy and unlovable unless I'm overachieving, how your parents aren't young anymore, how lonely I often feel and so on and so on. That there's issues that when you actually just stop and it's quiet and it's just you and God, all of a sudden, there's these things you know, I really need to deal with that. All of a sudden, there's things in your relationships and, and in your life that God is saying, hey, let's work on this together. Because I want to give you an abundant life. I want to have rivers of living water. But the only way that's going to happen if we work on things, but we, we numb ourselves with busyness. And we're so busy that we, we don't hear God's voice. And we can't process these things because we are, we're just running around. And so the question we can ask ourselves this morning is, what might be hiding behind your to-do list? What might be hiding behind your to-do list? What might be hiding behind this need to always be busy, to be always checking your cell phone, to be always checking everything, to just be busy, 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 even if it's just busy work, instead of actually just sitting with God and talking to Him and listening to Him, loving God and allowing Him to love you? Is there anything hiding behind your to-do list? While our culture says I'm busy, therefore I'm important and valuable, therefore I'm worthy, and if I'm not busy, I'm not valuable, I don't matter, we learned if you were at Abby's class this, and this is the gospel, this is Christianity, that I'm deeply loved, fully forgiven, and totally accepted in Jesus. God alone is the final authority on my self-worth and identity. That God alone is the final authority on who you are. Not your busyness, not your doing, not your activity, not you gotta work like crazy so that you have an identity. You are valuable because God sees you as valuable. And part of learning how to rest is actually learning to say, I believe this. When you're willing to take a portion of your day and just rest, you are saying, I believe this. I believe my value is not in my doing and I'm gonna show you it by just resting But it's hard. I'd encourage you, just take, just try. Twice a day, just take two minutes and just just rest (laughs) in the presence of Jesus. I mean, it's harder to think. Maybe maybe some of you got it, but I tell you, maybe some of us who live at a higher pace, it it can be difficult. But we need to make sure, first of all, that we want to get out of being overwhelmed, that you make sure, you make sure, you make sure that you're getting your identity from Jesus and not from your activity. Second reason we feel overwhelmed in this culture is, Uh, We are living in a crazy world of change and tech and opportunities. Uh, Richard Swenson, who has done a lot of research and written a couple books on busyness and uh, that kind of subject, he has this chart that he says, in the last 30 years, we've had more change than in the previous Mm. 3,000. Previous 3,000 years, I mean, there are some change, but it was kind of slow. You know, life was often really hard and kind of maybe sad, but it was slow, but in the last 30 years, we've just exploded with change. In fact, last year, 2017, you know we created more data, or data, depending on how you say it, which is like recorded information. We recorded more data last year than in the previous 5,000 years, just in 2017. I mean, it's exploding the amount of change. Uh, I mean, just think back to the year 2003. I don't know if you haven't seen very long ago at all. I mean. I drove a 2001 car here today. It doesn't seem very old to me, right? 2001, it seems like yesterday. Maybe that happens when you start. You hit 40. I don't know. But just think about 2003. There were zero iPhones. There were zero people on apps. There was zero YouTube. There was zero people on Facebook in 2003. Now today, it, it's, it's confusing. Entirely different. I mean, Facebook started in 2014, now there are over 2.27 billion active users and the average Facebook user spends almost an hour of a day on Facebook. Uh, YouTube, very first YouTube video was shown in 2005, it's still on there by the way, it's kind of cute, it's about 15 seconds, about some weird elephant. <coughs> uh, but now 300 hours of video are uploaded to YouTube every minute. And so if you kind of want to, I, I got to keep up to the latest YouTube video. It's impossible, right? <laughs> Almost five billion videos are watched on YouTube every single day. In 2008, this didn't even exist. Whoa. You look at Netflix started 2007. Uh, last year, 140 million hours were viewed per day. That's one billion hours per week on on uh, Netflix. And of course, we have all these smart devices now. Uh, recent studies say the average adult spends 5.9 hours a day using digital. Hey, Mason, how are you doing? Good. see you. Spends 5.9 hours a day using digital media. Uh, the average person checks their phone 80 times a day. Oh, right. oh. Oh. Oh, I'm, getting <laughs> I'm getting overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm getting overwhelmed. <laughs> 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 Little did you know I could turn around on you. <laughs> Uh, And uh, and I don't know if you're a phone user, but I mean, uh, it's it's quite, it happens quite, I actually counted the other day how many times, and it was just over 20, and I was actually trying not to, so, I mean, it, it, it happens, and this is why they actually say we're not as busy as you think. When people say, you know, write out how busy you are, most people's weeks add up to about 200 hours when I think there's only like 160 something hours in a week. Oh. We're not as busy because a lot of our time is actually spent in this craziness of ringing and dinging and media coming at us. And because we're always like, oh, I got to check this, I got to check this in the latest news, or maybe there's a new video, it must be a new news story. It actually makes our brains tired. A lot of our tiredness is not actually coming from our work, but it's coming from all the stuff coming at us, and we're gobbling it up, and it makes us tired because we never actually just stop and listen and rest. And it's in, when you're quiet and you're resting and listening to the voice of God. It's when you're actually refreshed. And of course, we know that this is uh, really harming our relationships. In fact, I want to show a quick video. Uh, it's from Huffington Post, but I thought it was actually a quite meaningful video on, on the subject, and so I'm going to show this now. A young girl went up to her father who was using his One professor said, it is almost impossible to create or enhance relationships when social media is in the first place. Taking our time and it it should be attention away from those who are in front of us. And so, technology is awesome. I mean, we use it, I use it, it's great, but we need to be careful with it. And again, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed because they actually never shut off. They come home from work, and then their mind is still busy with all these notifications and things and text and, and your mind never gets a break, and so you can end up feeling overwhelmed. And so I just want to finish with this idea of speed versus soul or doing versus being. A lot of times we can live because we are living in such a fast-paced world where the speed of our living is faster than our soul's capability of, of handling it. Or our doing is more than our being is able to sustain. Uh, And this is when you get tired and overwhelmed because you're you're, you're going so fast and you're doing so much uh, doing that your being is dying. And your soul is shriveling. We see in Luke chapter 8, it says this, As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, uh, people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. And so this woman touches Jesus and and power comes out of of Jesus and, and she is healed. You notice that Jesus had power to give. When someone touched Jesus there was power there to give and to bless. What happens when someone touches you? What happens when someone comes in contact with you? Is there enough power or love and peace and joy and strength of the Holy Spirit so when a hurting person touches you power comes out that they see that you're different that you're not overwhelmed, that you actually have something to give. Or when people touch you, do they just sense, oh, you're too busy. (laughs) Or I touch you, you know, there's no love there because, you know, I'm drained of love. We need to make sure that our soul strength is more than our doing. That our uh, soul ability is at a place where when someone comes in contact to us or with us, that we have, have something to give. And this only happens when we quiet ourselves and spend time with God. And we know why Jesus was able to do this, because he spent much quiet time with God. Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And if your heart is overwhelmed and your soul is dry and crusty because of of your busyness, again, when someone touches you, what's going to come out? Not the right things. And so if you really want to do well at those things that are important, in loving God and loving people, again, we need to make sure that uh, we are spending time, and we see Jesus did this in Mark 6. Jesus said, "Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while." He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. There were so many people around Jesus; times there were, from, but he was intentional about we're getting away, which means he had to say no to people because all those people were wanting something from him, obviously. But he gets away. In fact, Luke's gospel says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Do you often withdraw to a lonely place? And today we would say that's a place where there's no ringing and dinging and things trying to grab your attention. You know, there was a while I actually had to go back and do my devotions the old fashioned way with a, with a paper Bible and actually a journal to write on because a lot of times I journal, I pray and, and listen to God as I type. And, but it's very tempting to check Facebook and tempting to check this. And, and I found my, my, my times with God were not lonely places. And I had to go old school and get out one of these old Bibles and not my phone. And, and, uh, and, 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 and it's hard. It can be hard. But withdraws those lonely places. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. Do you have those places of quietness and solitude? And sometimes it might be hard. I mean, if you have little kids, I mean, I think it was Susanna Wesley used to throw a apron over her head. And the kids were in and that was a quiet place. And the kids would go crazy while she was just quiet before God. But but you can find those places. Do you you have those places? It was interesting in, uh, let me read this passage here. This is from Elijah, uh, 1 Kings. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This was a period of his life when he was incredibly overwhelmed. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. You can get overwhelmed to a place, even as a Christian, to a place where you're very depressed, depressed, uh, where you may even be thinking about suicide. I mean, Elijah was a great prophet and had this happen to him. I mean, it's not something that only happens to certain people. It can happen to any of us. And it happened to Elijah, where he was at the place where he was saying, God, would you just just kill me? And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. God knew something would change him. And that's the presence of God. Because the presence of God will transform you. It's one of the reasons why we come and we spend time worshiping because we know the presence of God transforms. When we get away and we're quiet with God, the presence of God transforms. And so the presence of God is going to come. And this is a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, uh, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And all those ways, this is important in this text, because those are all ways that God had revealed himself before. And there are times when the presence of the Lord does show up in the fire, in the wind, in the earthquake, and in loud worship, and in the noise, and all the activity. And there are times when God's presence could powerfully show up in that. But in this case, God's presence showed up, and it says here, And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And this is when the presence of Lord came and touched Elijah. And he was restored and became this powerful, life-changing, transforming figure for the rest of uh, 1 Kings. I mean, do you have a place where you sit and are transformed by the power of God in a place where you can hear his gentle whisper? I mean, if you're just always busy and running and doing an activity and never stopping and pausing to actually hear God and his gentle whisper, you are going to miss out. Years ago when we went to Israel, I highly recommended you to go, uh, but we actually spent a day in the desert. They brought us to the desert, dumped us off and said, go be alone. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, we were there for over a week, and we went to the most amazing sites and all these things. It was interesting. When we all got, got back, we were talking about the highlights of the trip. Almost everybody said the highlight was being in the desert alone. Man, we went to like Asada, the Dead Sea, and floated and all those cool things. But a lot of people said it was being in the desert alone that was the most impacting. And I think the reason why, because we don't get that a lot here because we're just so used to being busy that they had to dump us off and drive the bus away to force us actually to be, to be quiet. I mean, do you have those desert experiences in your week? Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. You know what that means? He withdrew to the desert. That's where he went. I think God is often like this. You know, this guy's trying to help him out. But they're too busy. And if God says, I want to give you an abundant life, I want you to be overflowing like a river, I have such wisdom for you in that circumstance. I have just the perfect idea for you and your spouse. I know how to help you in that workplace. But we're like, I'm too busy. I I don't have time to listen to God. I mean, if he wants to show up, he's going to show up in the fire and the earthquake. And maybe he will, but just maybe he wants to show up in that gentle whisper. And so I just encourage you throughout your week to bring in these times where you put away technology, you put away this idol of busyness and doing, and you just rest realizing your value and worth is in Jesus. where you actually learn to actually receive from God because you know what we have brought into our devotional life a lot of times? This idol of doing. You know, for a long time, I was wondering, why do I get so stressed during my prayer times? This was a number of years ago. Why do I get so stressed during my devotional times? And it took me like over a year to figure out why i get so stressed. And I was getting so stressed because I was bringing in my doing, that I had to do it perfectly, I had to do it right, I had to have the right prayers, I had the right pattern, the right system, and it was all about doing, and there was no receiving. You see, any good quality love relationship will always have giving of love and receiving of love. This is your marriage, you need to give love, you need to receive love. In a relationship with God, you need to learn to give love to God, but you also need to receive love from God. And this is part of the time where we we slow down and take a pause and we take a break. And you can do this in a lot of ways. You can do it uh, just by pausing in your busy schedule. take two minutes, a couple times a day, just to pause and just remind yourself of the presence of God. Remind yourself that God is here, God is with me. And you just quiet yourself and just remind yourself that God is with you. wherever you go, you can do that a couple times a day. You can take a song off YouTube and just gently listen to it in the background where you just receive love from Him. You can lie on the floor, again, and just, and just receive love from God. But you also need to also do, and you do need to read your Bible and pray actively in these things. So I would encourage you to rest. I'd encourage you to take breaks from technology. I'd encourage you to ask yourself, am I getting some of my identity for my doing and my busyness, other than in Jesus, so Father, we just pray this over us this morning. God, I pray for any of us in this room who are saying, "Yeah, you know, I'm getting my identity from my busyness and doing." God, I pray you'd break that stronghold in our lives in Jesus' name, and Father, you'd release the truth over us. That our value and worth, the final authority of our value and worth, is found in you. And we are fully accepted, fully forgiven, fully accepted in you. We thank you. And God, I pray you give us discipline. <laughs> As your word says, you've got to strive to enter the rest. I pray you, we have we people who would strive to enter into those periods of rest through our week. God, I'd be willing to put down our phones, put down technology to give our minds a rest so that we might hear you. And God, I pray that our being, that our soul would always outweigh our speed and our doing. And we just pray rest over us. We pray rejuvenation. We pray the fullness of our spirit. We pray pray for beautiful, deep, wonderful connections with you this week. As we listen to your gentle voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.